Do you need a trademark, copyright, or a patent? If you've ever asked yourself these questions, you'll be fascinated to listen to my guest today. Lawyer Cheryl Hodgson speaks about structuring your business and protecting your brand in the digital realm. This episode is absolutely packed with actionable legal insights from Cheryl, and we even talk about something called a naked license. Welcome to Cheryl. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Off My Duff is all about getting off your backside and finally, making your impact by living your truth. If you are an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you're in the right place. We chat with guests from seven figures to just starting out because that's how we roll. Off My Duff is the nudge you need to expand your business and slay resistance. So without further ado, I invite you to get off your duff and let's get started. Now, here's your host, Duff Gardner. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast today. Very excited to have you on the show today. And um, I'm even more excited to have someone who I've been wanting to have on the show for quite some time. Somebody who I've known for a couple of years, but I've yet to kind of have a deep conversation with. And that is my good friend, Cheryl Hodgson from Brand Aid. Cheryl is an IP attorney down in Southern California. And we're going to tell you guys today about why it's super important to protect yourself. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no. And actually, we were just talking offline about your wonderful branding. Uh, this is really mostly, we, most of this is an audio podcast, but man, I feel like looking at your branding, I want to do video. This is great. Love it. Well, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I actually just started my own podcast about four months ago. And so at the last second, I decided to turn it into a video podcast. So it, it's this, both. This is good. This is good. Well, you look fantastic. And, uh, you know, we were talking offline, we were talking about some examples of why protecting yourself from a legal point of view is so important for entrepreneurs. And uh, I don't know, is there some stories that you're able to share about things that kind of went sideways in a general way without talking about specific clients? Oh, yeah. Well, I cannot name names, but I can tell you dozens of stories. Big right. ones, you know? <laughs> um, I've been doing this for a long time. And uh, as I think I mentioned to you offline, the thing that uh, reason that my motivation at this stage of my career is that I really did begin to see uh, really good, honest, hardworking people with big ideas who started out their business and they sort of got derailed somewhere along the way because they didn't have the right information or the right counseling to get them on the path to create a, a foundation for their business. Right. And I like to say, you know, the question is, and this is kind of a cheap metaphor, but you know, I don't know if you've experienced this. It seems like everything you buy these days is not built to last. It's built to fall apart. Right. <laughs> I've just had that experience with sure. an ice maker in my refrigerator. It's like every, you know, I was looking every time, you know, things just fall apart after a certain period of time. And, sure. you know, you don't want that for your business. You want a foundation for your business. So it's kind of rock solid, hopefully. Um, and so what I do and what, you know, not only my mission, but what I do as an attorney with my clients is right. help them just get two things. One, the business structure 
yep. that may work for them, you know, as a way to house their assets. So there's no issue if there's either death, disability, or some unforeseen circumstance so that the business can continue or the assets can be transferred without some sort of big problem of court or probate and all right. that stuff. Right. And then secondly, and included within that, of course, is what assets do you need to protect? And um, given what's happened in the internet world in the last 20 years, that's where I've seen the game completely changed. Right. Because, uh, you know, domain names didn't exist 20 years ago or 25, no. you know. And now the interplay and the relationship between trademarks and brand names and protecting those and rights and domain names is huge. Um, so, you know, one of the, I can give you, I think I gave you a quick story recently on, mm. of a, a, a dentist who um, uh, picked a domain name with a local geographic descriptor at the last part of it, of her local community, sure. and um, another dentist sued to take away her domain name on grounds that it infringed a federal trademark. Right. Well, there was a lot of issues that I won't go into. It's beyond this call. But yeah. the bottom line was that she was at very serious risk and had less than 10 days to file a case in federal court or she was going to lose her entire practice because she pretty much advertises on Google. Right. You know, right. in her local community. Yeah. So there's one example. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my favorites goes back actually almost before the internet, but it's okay. still really a valid example of why you need a federal trademark. I, I had a, you know, I, I had years of experience in the music industry and I still represent a lot of um, uh, people in entertainment, mostly right now in trademarks and doing okay. their brand stuff protection. But I had a guy literally who had one of the biggest groups in the Latin business in the entire United States. And this was, Oh, 15 or so years ago now. Sure. And he, he was on every major Spanish language radio station in America and literally woke up one day and uh, the a large media conglomerate had brought another group over with the same name for Mexico. And this was back in the days of Paola. And they literally took his record off the air and he woke up one morning and was listening to the station. And instead of his music, it was the same name, but a different group. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they had replaced it. <laughs> and that, that turned wow. into a four year lawsuit, 38 depositions and a million and a half dollars in legal fees against me. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's lots of stories like that. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a sucker punch. I, I described to you one of my examples where in my portfolio, we own a local franchise and that franchise suddenly had their entire uh, look and brand feel usurped by a company in Scotland, and so when you discover these things, you're, it's it's shocking. And so your your message about being prepared versus derailed is uh, is really important. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, look, I mean, building a business is hard enough, but the last thing you want to do is wake up and find out that you have to change your name or you've gotten sued because you didn't clear the name you're using, right? right. Yeah, totally. And and. Uh, it's, people tend to think, especially young entrepreneurs, I, I think they they have this myth that, oh, it's not that important, I'll do it later, or they think they don't have the money. I mean, you right. know, but here's what I've learned, you know, the, the mistake people make are twofold. Number one, uh, the biggest challenge is picking something they can't protect. 
Mm. Um, so, you know, that's where it gets into this debate. And there's no right or wrong. There's valid arguments on both sides of the equation. But when you pick something that's very descriptive of what you're doing, it doesn't qualify as a federal trade bar. Okay. So you can kind of usually push it through on something called the supplemental register in the United States, which again, I won't get into because it's right. too in the wood weeds. Right. The point being that you can't really ever enforce a descriptive term unless you can afford when you go to stop someone to prove that that term has acquired what they call secondary meaning or acquired distinctiveness, which means the public associates that name with you. Um, and here's an example. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just picking one. Something sure. like U-Haul or public storage in America. You know, those are very big uh, you know, places where you, you know. Sure. But those companies, or hey, here's a better one, iPad. iPad for, is about as descriptive as you can get. Yep. However, you've got a multi-billion dollar company like Apple that when they launch a descriptive product, if it's successful, everybody knows the name almost overnight, sure. right? It's not, but the average entrepreneur who's starting a podcast or who's, you know, launching a small product or service, yep. they don't have that kind of public recognition. And right. they're probably never going to have that much public recognition or the funds to prove it. Apple can spend that kind of money to prove it, right? right. And they'll win every time. Sure. So, you know, it's like, don't start your business out with your one arm tied behind your back. That's, that's one thing, you know, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm giving myself a bigger hurdle sure. because, you know, the whole idea of a brand and a trademark is not just protection. It's to be distinctive and stand out from your competitors. You know, you want to be memorable and you want to be recognized by the public. Yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. So I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I'll give you something that's like an annoyance to me. We were discussing <laughs> teleprompters earlier, oh, right? right? <laughs> and uh, I had purchased, I know it's like six, eight years ago, when I first made my false start into podcasting, it didn't right. go very far. But I had purchased some and it was quite expensive. I think it was an app. It was like $40. Right. And I said, well, I know I bought one. And I spent, I spent an hour or so trying to find the darn, I never did find it. Because when you go into the app store, every, the name of every uh, app dealing with teleprompters is prompt this, prompt that, teleprompter this, teleprompter that. So they all right. sound the same. Yeah. So it's like there's no name recognition to distinguish it. So I finally gave up and bought something else, of course. Right. But, you know, <laughs> that's, I just give that as an example as to my point about you want to stand out, right? Right. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, following up on that, like I think one thing, three words that people confuse a lot are uh, patent, copyright, trademark. Yes. We talked a little bit about that offline. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, it's an important distinction. Uh, even your graphic designer, honestly, your graphic designer does not know what to do with that. <laughs> I've had that before where my graphic designer, like, isn't it supposed to be a C? No. It's so how do you distinguish those for the average Joe? Well, that is a great question because one of the things I'm launching is a library of portfolio of videos for graphic designers and creative people because they are on the front lines and they mm -hmm. tend to be people who are setting up websites or designing yeah. usage of brand names. And it comes up over and over again. 
You know, uh, one of the things I do often for my clients is a website review. I include that in the cost of my uh, services where if I'm registering a name is to actually get on the phone or on the Zoom call with their web developer or the designer to look at how they're using it to make oh, sure. It's, well, yeah, because, you know, there's a thousand pages of federal regulations in the United States. I don't know about Canada, but it's not that much easier there either. And, you know, however, whatever you submit has to comply with those regulations. And if it doesn't, you're going to get rejected. So, you know, to go back to your question, a patent yeah. is an invention. Sure. Okay. And in, under U.S. law, interestingly enough, patents and copyrights, as opposed to trademarks, are actually part of the constitutional framework, the U.S. Constitution. Okay. It's Article One, Section 8, Clause 8 which empowers uh, the U.S. government to secure rights to authors and inventors, their writings, okay, and their inventions. A patent is an invention of a product uh, or a, a process, and it's usually, it can be in one of categories, sure. uh, a number of categories. You can have an electrical patent, which okay. has to do with, like, the design of an iPhone. You always hear about uh, Qualcomm and Apple suing each other for 10 years at a time over a cell phone patent, right? Um, that's usually electrical. Then you have software patents. Then you have things like, um, uh, you know, mechanical patents for equipment and machinery. So right. patents are things which are novel and useful, and right. uh, they're much more expensive uh, than a trademark or copyright by right. a long shot. But the idea is they give you a, a monopoly for 17 years from the date of issuance if you're successful. And, you know, it gives you an, a competitive advantage for a period of time. Uh, right. And a, then a copyright is actually something to do. Or it can be any it's a creative work to actually to protect your representation of an idea. Right. And the key distinction in copyrights is. People say, well, I want to protect my idea. Well, like, right. sorry, I can't really protect your idea. Right. There are exceptions, but I can uh, protect your representation of that idea. Right. So that might be my photograph of a particular tree, as an example. Right. Um, or it could be a piece of graphic art, a piece of sculpture, a musical composition, a film, a TV series, a video, um, you know, 3D work. Actually, software can also be copyrighted, interestingly right. enough. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. oh, and copyrights are very unique species because copyrights can be divided up and chopped up into little tiny pieces and given to different people all over the world, which oh, is wow. all these industries work. So, for example, um, you know, uh, the music industry operates when you get a copyright in the United States, and I think it's pretty much true in the rest of the world, yeah. you have a bundle of rights. It's like a bundle of sticks with a ribbon tied around it. Right. And I can take out one stick and give it to you, and I can, and that stick might be for you to publicly perform my uh, song on radio or TV. Then I might have another stick, which is the right to put that song into uh, synchronization in a film or TV show. And that is a one-on-one -on -one license to whoever's going to use it. Right. So 
there's just a lot of rights and copyrights. They can also be divided up geographically. I can uh, give all of my rights to somebody in Europe to collect my income over there and, and, but still maintain the rights to the, to the copyright. Got it. Uh, and I make that distinction because last but not least, we were talking about trademarks and brands. Yeah. Yeah. A trademark cannot be divided up. A trademark has to stay uniquely with the owner of the trademark. So a trademark is a creature of, in the United States, the Commerce Clause, which is the right to regulate trade. Okay. And, it's, and it sounds a little airy-fairy to say this, but it kind of helps put it in context if someone understands this aspect. A trademark, even though it protects the owner, the purpose of and the public policy reason for granting a monopoly in a name is to protect the public. So let's say the franchise you were talking about, you gave a great example, okay? So uh, the franchise you had in Canada, if somebody in Canada went into that version of the same franchise in Scotland, they would naturally assume they're one and the same or related, right? The same look, the same feel, the same name. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the purpose of the trademark in that case is it protects you, but it's really to protect the public from being deceived. Got it. So if you go into McDonald's or you go into any food franchise, which is a common everyday example, the franchise system of whatever it is anywhere in the world, you expect a certain menu item or you expect that you'll get the same general quality, good or bad, (laughs) whatever that might be. Right. (laughs) And uh, so, um, you know, so that's the kind of philosophical base for a trademark, but a trademark. And I I bring that up because I, a lot of my clients and I've done quite a bit of this, you know, end up uh, people, particularly people who do training programs um, and they become successful. They might get into wanting to, create what's called a certification program right are certifying other Mm people people to train and that is a very very common example it's not a franchise and i have to emphasize that because a franchise as you well know a franchise usually involves a payment of a percentage of revenues or some amount of money up front and that violates security laws in the united states you know, so it's very tricky to avoid those, but you can still license someone else to use a trademark. And in fact, the owner of a trademark, if you were to let somebody else use your trademark or your brand name in a licensing situation, you're absolutely required to have a written license or you Mm -hmm. will lose the trademark. Um, So so, uh, one of the things I do quite often is I help uh, authors and people who have training programs create a certification licensing program so that their students can use a certain logo or trademark saying that they're certified in a certain process and uh, advertise that to the public. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That is definitely a thing in, in the industry of service providers um, and increasingly so. Um, yeah, and so we that that's a whole realm. I think I have to bring you back because that's an interesting topic. Uh, I have an example. And, for that. and I, well, I'd love to talk more about that, because yeah. I won't go any further now. But it is yeah. a very interesting topic, and I'll yeah. just point this out: people, if you do not have a written license agreement and you're allowing third parties to use your trademark, that's called a naked license. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, you will not be able to enforce your trademarks. You will lose the rights in it because you will not be able to point to the fact that you have the right to exercise quality control 
And that's the key to trademark licensing. You must have, you don't, doesn't mean you have to stand over somebody and right. breathe down their neck and when they do their work. It just means that if they do something that's out of alignment with the integrity of what you've trained them in, you have the right to say, no, you can't do that. Wow, fantastic. Um, and that's interesting. It's called a naked license too. I feel like I need to go har 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 har. Anyway, <laughs> but I, I need a drum roll or something after that one. But um, so I'm so you know the other part that just for the podcast, I think it's interesting to know how you got into the work that you do. Um, this is a sort of an aside to that. Um, I think that in the industry of service providers who are who are moving their businesses online, there's something interesting percolating. You know, we're sort of in this time with big disruption. And it's interesting that you come from the music industry, because I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from what we would traditionally think of as kind of creative content creators like musicians, uh, people who are producing movies, actors, these kinds of domains, because I think there's this convergence going on between people we would call coaches, consultants, you know, people selling training type stuff, uh, digital marketers, and uh, the sort of new realm of influencers. Like there's sort of this mashing together of those subtly distinct type of people. So I think like, because of that, um, your message is super important. Just just the, the, the number of people coming into the, into the industry of, uh, you know, selling their services, selling their expertise, selling their creativity and protecting it. Well, absolutely. I mean, one quick example, too, I think it, that, uh, you know, people say, well, do I need a trademark? I don't need a trademark. But uh -huh. there, here's another real kind of practical example. Sure. Um, if you have a brand or whatever your product or service is, but you also want to use that in your Twitter handle or Facebook or Instagram, yeah. uh, they no longer will let you even file a complaint. You can't even challenge anyone who would come along and take your name in Facebook unless you have federal trademark registration. It's yeah. required. They yeah. won't even talk to you. Huh. Um, and another thing that has come up is the Amazon brand registry program. Okay. There are now thousands of little mom and pop companies around the world that sell a few products and they distribute through Amazon. Well, Amazon now has something called the brand registry program mm -hmm. where it puts you in kind of a, not exalted, but a safer, more trusted category of seller on Amazon. Mm -hmm. But in order to be a part of that program, you must have a federal trademark. So it's sort of, and again, I mentioned the domain example. You can't really protect a domain. Uh, you can't protect your trademark against someone who takes uh, and puts your trademark in a domain name in Scotland or whatever, right. unless you've got a federal trademark. So right. it just, it becomes uh, across social media, influencers. There's so many platforms on the internet now that didn't yeah. exist just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's just the, the, the word foundation, which used right from the get go. I think it's super important just you know, to, to avoid having those cracks in your business, just having that foundation that you're talking about. Um, now, you've, you've got into this world for the, through the music industry originally, but I, I shouldn't probably speak for you. What is you. How did you get into doing what you do? I'm curious. Well, I have to tell you, I was a starving uh, law student and worked my way through every part of my life since okay. I was about 14 years old, to be honest. Okay. And I... Uh, I've done a lot of weird jobs along the way, right. but uh, what the uh, 
I had published an article in law review, made law review in law school years ago. Yeah. And the uh, gentleman who was a year ahead of me and edit was the editor of my law review article was uh, an electrical engineer from uh, Bell Labs out of uh, Boulder, Colorado, coming okay. to law school in Colorado. And uh, he went to work for a small patent trademark copyright firm. At that time, they were all lumped together. Okay. And uh, they won a, the biggest case in the history of trademark law. And I was scheduled to move to Los Angeles and go into the music business and be the tour manager for, for wow. if you can believe this, the Captain and Janiel. I don't Yay, remember that. I love group. them. <laughs> yeah. And love this is, will keep us together. Right. Well, it was before they had become famous, but they were on the verge of becoming famous. And their manager was a wonderful man okay. uh, who's become a huge uh, Hollywood producer since then. Okay. And uh, Mace Newfeld, he produced Patriot Games, many big wow. movies. But his very first one was a movie. He had been a music man manager up until then and he moved he went to didn't move he went to the UK to produce a movie um, and he was supposed to be gone for three months instead he was gone for nine months it was one of those movies that the production went on forever long story short I graduated I, I couldn't wait <laughs> and also there was no cell phones then and no right. internet so right. I didn't have a way to get a hold of him in the UK <laughs> you know I'm a young student graduating from law school and uh, I literally got a phone call out of the blue, and it was Bob who had, who had edited my Law Review article, and he said, we just won the biggest case in the history of trademark law. Wow. It was a $20 million jury verdict, which at that wow. time was big bucks. Sure. And uh, he said, we need somebody to go to work for us because we're going to go up on appeal to the Tenth Circuit and probably the U.S. Supreme Court. And I went, okay. And I started the next day. Wow. <laughs> so that's how I got into trademarks. Well, that's and, cool. And like I said, it's, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of that we can glean from the creative arts and the creative industries uh, when we're service providers about how to protect ourselves and how to think about our business as a platform in, you know, a platform in the making. Um, and so another question that I typically ask my guests, Cheryl, is uh, I, I geek out on this topic of resistance. Uh, I'm kind of an Alberta boy, Alberta, Canada, I'm kind of meat and potatoes. But when I kind of got into the service-based industry, I would hear this word resistance all the time. And it's an interesting word because um, usually it's dealt with in the realm of psychology in the interaction between um, the practitioner and the, uh, the client. But yet a lot of service providers I speak to, they're always like, I want to do this. I've got this resistance. And so I'm actually quite curious what your response to this question is. Wow. Well, there's another whole, there's another whole episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I had so much resistance in so many areas of my life. Right. I, about six years ago, I graduated in a two years master's program in what's called spiritual psychology. Oh, wow. I and, didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. The University of Santa Monica. It was, that was two years worth of, uh, let's see, it was 800 hours of sitting butt in seat, not in classroom setting, but actually in clinical like trios with your classmates. Wow. And I have to tell you, you want to break through your own, find out where your resistance is. Right. <laughs> and it still comes up. I think two things I'd say about resistance. Number one, it really goes down to our self-talk. You right. know, I mean, there's some message you're telling yourself, even if you haven't really brought it out to the forefront and articulated it, there's something holding you back, right? There's some, some lack of belief. There's some something about that 
did it rep what it represents or it's triggering something from the past right. that that you know so it's and the hardest part is not to judge yourself you know but sure. to recognize it and i i love what um Mary Morrissey, who is just one of the most phenomenal coaches on the planet, I mean, yes. amazing woman. I had the privilege of being one of her students about five years ago. Oh, wow. And one of the things that Mary always talks about is notice what it is you're noticing. That's the first step. And that is an acquired skill. It's not, it's a habit. And you actually have to develop the habit. And when you start having the resistance come up, and you're maybe telling yourself, you notice you're telling yourself the same thing. Yes. <laughs> and I, at least in my case, I notice. I'll give you a good example. Right now, I've got a case involving a food company, and I have to answer massive amounts of written discovery. I have a huge amount of resistance <laughs> on that. I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's boring. It's not it's, it's part of the legal system. I don't really think is all that. It doesn't mean that much, but it cost the client client money and me time and I have to do it. So right. I've been having resistance at getting it done. And I it's funny you brought this up because I was having that conversation with myself last night and again this morning. What is it, Cheryl? Why are you why are you procrastinating here? <laughs> and so, you know, but I think what it is is that going back to what Mary always said is, you know, uh, notice what it is you're noticing. You're going, ah, yeah. I've got resistance here. Then yeah. you might ask, rather than getting into judgment about it and beating yourself up, it's more a question of like, what is it? What's, what's this about? Right. Be inquisitive, I love you know, that. and then try to also kind of give yourself some nurturing and forgiveness about it, you know, because that's, there's also a lot of judgment attached to when I'm, you know, right. right. That we yeah. get into self judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I totally get that. And I mean, that's a good segue into the next question I have, because you obviously have such a depth of experience. Um, I want to first, before I ask you that question, though, I want to make sure to give away your, your, there's a, there's a place people should go to get some information about you. And so those URLs, there's two. One is brandaid.com forward slash free gift. And so that's spelled B-R-A-N-D-A-I-D. E oh, A I D E S uh -huh. dot com <laughs> forward slash free gift. Uh, this will be in the show notes too, guys. So brand aid with an E at the end dot com forward slash free gift. Um, and there's another URL where you can go and get a book on a registered trademark guide. And we're going to put that URL in the show notes too. But just for your information, it's brandaid.com forward slash registered dash trademark dash guide. So you can check Perfect. that out as well. Yeah. yeah. And also the only other thing I'd love to at least mention is I do have a podcast called oh, yeah. Brand Aid Podcast, Our yeah. Evolution. And uh, it's I'm interviewing people in different topics of branding uh, and how to build one. Also starting a mini series on uh, protecting your brand and the legal aspects of what it takes to, to build a strong business foundation. Yeah, I would highly recommend you check Cheryl's stuff out. Um, you know, I, could, I, I think I've got to have you back for three episodes, but um, it's been fantastic to speak to you today. Is there something that you kind of want to leave people with, like a, an important insight that you want to leave them with? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I guess sticking with the topic of what we're talking about and what I yeah. do is just to realize that 
it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money to start off on the right foot. It's going to cost you a hundred times more if you don't later right. down the road. So, you know, and I'd like to say this, it's, it's, none of us knows what it is we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what bites me in the butt every time. <laughs> it's what I didn't know to think about. Well, this is the Off My Duff podcast, so there you go. (laughs) And that's kind of what I think is the situation for entrepreneurs in starting out their business. They don't necessarily know the right questions to ask. So find someone or some resource where you can get some trusted foundational information, and that's what my book is. My book is on trademarks specifically, and I've kind of taken all the legal stuff and broken it down into three steps which is select, secure, and sustain, and trying to give people not how to DIY so much as it is understanding the process and the steps that are important to take before you spend money to try to protect something. So you don't waste your money, that at least you're making an investment in something that you have a much better chance of, of successfully registering and protecting. That's fantastic. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. It's so nice to see you on the show. Such a depth of knowledge. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was great fun. Oh, fantastic. And so I just wanted to say to you guys, thank you so much for coming to the show again today, Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast, where we help the little guy play the big game. And as you go into the world and make the impact that you want, remember to teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. We'll see you next time. Hey everyone, I'm Duff Gardner, and you've been listening to my show, Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast, where we're all about getting off your backside and making your impact by living your truth. If you're like me and you're an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you need an offer that sells. An offer that sells helps you get traction with your business, more sales, more clients, more gigs, more fans, and more deals, period. And here's what I believe. Your offer is the purest expression of your truth, So that's why I've created a free ebook, Offers That Sell, the eight-step revenue breakthrough system. Simply go to offersthatsell.com forward slash book to grab your free copy, and you can even follow it up with a chat with me, should you wish. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. And as you get off your backside to make your impact on the world, remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. See you next time. Bye now.